Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston for this big fight preview for the upcoming bout between Alexander Usyk and Daniel Dubois. We are also going to be covering off some of the American fights that are happening on the same night featuring Jared Anderson, who's already back in action. But the main focus of this episode is Usyk versus Dubois, which is a fight that, you know, we didn't want to see it. It wasn't the one we expected. We wanted Usyk Fury. That isn't happening. So we've got Usyk Dubois. And this episode really is us trying to find a way to give Daniel Dubois enough credit to actually give him a shout of winning this fight. Let's be honest, guys. Like Everybody's saying Usyk's going to win this fight. And I think all of us feel the same way. Usyk, as Johnston, you always put it, he's a different gravy in the heavyweight division. He really is. And you believe, and you always strongly believe, that Usyk beats everybody in this division. So it's hard to sit and do a preview and give someone like a Daniel Dubois, who's still young in his career, uh, an opportunity to be able to beat Alexander Usyk. And you have to sort of look at certain fighters that have faced Usyk, like Chisora, for example, who, who took him 12 rounds when he came up to the heavyweight division. So it's an interesting episode because we get to talk about what Alexander Usyk is going to do in this fight and, and, and potentially how easy people think it's going to be. And then we also get the opportunity to really give a bit of credit to Dubois because you know he didn't have to take this fight. He didn't. And he did because he wants the opportunity to fight the best, even at his young career. Is it a huge mistake for Dubois at this stage or is it a win-win situation, Johnston? Win-win. Absolute win-win. 25 years of age. He's already been through adversity against Joe Joyce and we give him credit for that. People called him uh, all sorts of different things and, and they said he was uh, he just crumbled under the pressure and uh, and we didn't. We, we we assessed that situation and said, you know what, Daniel's very intelligent for his age. He's he's a bit boring. I mean, I'm not gonna knock I'm not gonna shy away from that. that I think that's the biggest problem with him, is he's young and he's he's not really matured enough where Maybe he just needs a bit more practice in front of the cameras and stuff, but he's a genuinely nice guy. Let's be honest. I mean, there's nothing you can really say bad about Daniel. You really can't. And look, he's 25. He's he's already had, what, 
20 fights. You know, he's got one loss and now he's fighting arguably the best fighter in his division. Um, for me, he's my top three pound for pound guy around. I mean, barring Crawford and Anua, I can't look beyond Alexander Usyk. I think the guy is, is absolutely amazing. I do. I just, I genuinely do rate him very, very highly. And um, Daniel's got a great opportunity here to learn from Usyk. And obviously, you know, Sean, it's a heavyweight game, isn't it? And what do we always say? He's got a puncher's chance, mate, isn't he? He has got a puncher's chance. We can't shy away from the fact that he can hurt people when he hits them. The difficulty is, how is he going to get close enough and in range enough against Usyk to be able to do that? that? That's the big question here, really. And that's the big statement to make with this. People out there are just going to completely write Dubois off. And I understand you know, I think we are also guilty of that because we know how good Usyk is and we've all seen it. Make no mistake about what Usyk is all about and how good he is as a fighter and make no mistake about the fact we don't want to see this fight. But he's in a position where he's got to fight his WBA challenger. And unfortunately for Dubois, the other titles that he holds, the IBF, the IBO and the WBO are also on the line. So Dubois put himself in this position by beating Trevor Scott and beating Kevin Lorena. He's put himself in the position for this fight where Usyk's been waiting around for Fury. Fury's decided to go off and cash in on the mixed martial arts star in Francis Ngannou. So what's Usyk going to do at this point? Who else is he going to fight? He hasn't got anybody else. The only other person that potentially would have been around is Hergovic because he's the IBF mandatory. But fortunately for Daniel Dubois, he's in the position where he takes an opportunity a win-win opportunity because even if he loses and say he, he goes the distance with him, he'll probably learn so much from Usyk in that fight that it might actually put him in good stead for future opportunities. It might not. It might not. He might do the opposite. He might get absolutely completely outclassed and, you know, we might be looking at it thinking, ah, oh, this is a bit of a mistake really, weren't it, to stick him in there at, at this stage. He's taken an opportunity, Johnston. You can't fault him for that. You can't fault Frank Warren for saying, do you know what, we'll put you in there, we think you've got a chance. I mean, Dev Zane, who is like Queensbury's PR machine, God, he puts so much on social media and he gets so much crap for it off people. But he's basically just trying to big up the fighter that he works with in Daniel Dubois. And fair play to him for doing that. But let's be honest, Dev, Usyk's a different gravy. And Usyk is going to beat Dubois. There's no doubt about it. And... I'm not even going to sit and do a keys to victory and I'm not even going to sit and do, you know, how is this going to happen? How is this going to play out? Like sometimes we, we normally would do for these episodes. I think the question is, is how emphatic does Usyk beat him? And does Daniel Dubois even land anything significant on him? Well, you know, when you look at Crawford and Inoue and you see what they've done uh, against it, top of the range opponents um, I sort of see Usyk I do see Usyk in that category I, and when he ups it a level um, he can he can get rid of someone I, I do wonder whether he might bide his time but then with it being a Poland it's going to be very pro Ukrainian crowd you know it's going to be a chance for the Ukrainians to watch their heavyweight champion you know he's he's only needs one title Sean and he will be undisputed in two different weight classes the cruiserweight and the heavyweight division last man to do that Evander Holyfield and everyone blows smoke up his ass that Usyk in my opinion is a better boxer 
than Holyfield. He is. And um, you got to remember back then, Holyfield used to get a lot of shit about he's never going to make, really be big enough to be a heavyweight. And a lot of people used to call him the cruiserweight. And you know, now, as we look at, you know, in respectively, how highly we all have Evander Holyfield as, you know, one of the greatest heavyweights that's ever lived. Let's be honest, he's, he's, he's in and around the top 30. I mean, and he come from cruiserweight and there's no reason why Usyk can't. Yeah, he's left it a bit later, 36 years of age, but he's still just a tremendous fighter. I, I can't see Dubois landing anything. I mean, he would be silly to allow Dubois to land anything because that's the only way it happens if he takes his eye off the ball. And he just doesn't do that. He's too calculated. He's going to keep a high tempo. And Dubois is going to struggle with his tempo, like Joshua did. Joshua gassed in both of them fights. And there were moments, especially in the first fight, when you thought Usyk was going to take Joshua out. And I do worry for Daniel because I do feel that his gas tank's even worse than Joshua's. So the longer this fight goes on, the more I'm going to worry for Dubois getting stopped late and Usyk just popping off at him as he pleases. And with the crowd, with the energy in the arena, I, I just I think Daniel he's got to hurt him, but I, I I can't see him going the distance. I can see Usyk just breaking him down, showing and finishing him off later on in the fight. Uh, anything between sort of eight and the last round. And Dubois will give a good credit. You know, he, he will learn a lot from this fight. I do. At 25, he can still come back. He can have two, a, a tremendous fight on his CV. And then when all these guys retire, because they really are coming to the end of their careers, when he fights those younger fighters that are coming through, Daniel's going to be more than ready and he will win a world title. I agree with that assessment. I think it's a fair assessment of, of where Daniel Dubois' future goes. And, you know, I apologise to you guys listening, if we are being so negative about Daniel, it's not like we don't want the guy to win. We'd love him to cause an upset. I'd yeah, love it, I'd yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge admirer of Alexander Rusi, but I'll be cheering on Daniel, 100%. I, you know, at the end of the day, like I'd love something like that to happen. It'd be, it'd be a big underdog in this situation, but if he did that, it'd be one of the biggest upsets in recent times. He'd certainly right be up there, wouldn't it? Because it'd be huge. No one's expecting Daniel to do it. But the reality is, I think we know how good Usyk is and we know that he's taking this as serious as he takes any other fight and that he will go in there and he'll probably put on a show. Daniel's going to Poland, so essentially he is like the away fighter, even though Usyk's from Ukraine. He's very well versed within Europe. He fights in Latvia before, he's fought in Poland before, he fought, he's fought in Ukraine, he's fought everywhere in Europe, he's fought in the UK. Everybody loves him, he's, he's a great character. So it's going to be difficult for Daniel to go over there in that hostile environment. He has had experience of it, of course, with that really crap show that Don King put on when he fought Trevor Scott. But he won't have probably faced anything like this where he's pretty much going to be a pro Usyk crowd. And, you know, he, he's, he's walking into the lion's den. And, and hopefully he takes a really good experience out of it. I'd be amazing if he won. But then again selfishly, I, I kind of don't want him to because I want to see Usyk fight Fury. I want to see the ultimate fight of this division. I want, before these guys retire, Joshua Wilder, Fury and Usyk, I want to see that one champion, that one guy who is definitive of the division. We want to see it. We want to see this generation's absolute number one heavyweight in the world. We want to see it because otherwise we're never going to get a true answer. Is Fury the best? Is Usyk the best? We need to see that fight. So, selfishly, I don't want any upsets because I want to see that fight happen. Because I think it will. I think that'll happen next year. 
because Fury is going to cash out. I think Usyk will potentially be his last fight if if it does get made. It'll either be for Fury, it'll either be Usyk or Joshua. It'll be one of them two fights. Simple as that. But selfishly, that's why I wouldn't want Daniel to win. But in my heart, as a British fight fan and seeing his career and seeing how young he is, it's a huge opportunity for him. So I wouldn't be, you know, remiss if he won this fight. I'd be like, okay. Fair play to him. He's upset the apple cart. How? Where does that leave him now? So you know, there's a, there's possibilities, but both of us have agreed that he, he, realistically we can't see him winning it. And it's hard to make a case. It's hard, isn't it, to make a case for it as well? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, look, I, I, you can't deny that. I mean, Usyk is he really is a tremendous fighter, and even at 36, I mean, Crawford showed it everyone. You know, even he's in the mid 30 range and you know, just how great these guys can be. Look, 36 is very young today. Back in the day, you know, I, I, you didn't have that lifestyle, didn't live as well as what athletes do today. Athletes nowadays can go on to their 40s, even boxers, especially sort of heavyweights that have had not so many fights. I mean, Usyk is the way he fights as well. It's not like he's going to go toe-to-toe with you. He will stand in front of you, but he just doesn't get hit very often because he's so versatile, so hard to hit. He's got fantastic head movement. And he will, he can switch a fight at any moment in terms of just being in control. He can adjust his feet or he can adjust the way he throws a punch. And it's that that makes the difference. And it is, and he can, he, I tell you what, when he fires his rhythm, he's just beautiful to watch. He really is. I can't help but just love watching him fight when he's, when he's on full swing. And it takes him a good couple of rounds sometimes, a bit like Crawford takes his time takes in all that data just take you know assesses the situation and then he will fight a certain way to win the fight whether it means finishing him off or whether it means going the distance it's no concern to him he's, he just wants to win the fight and i do think he's got that hunger sean he's got all the belts bar one he wants to be undisputed before he retires and i do feel that tyson fury is dragging his feet i mean tyson fury fighting this fella is ridiculous and i know eddie hearn recently said how easy it was to work with Usyk and get fights done. And I sort of believe that. I don't believe much that comes out of Eddie, Mur- Eddie, Earns, uh, Eddie Murphy, that's called, isn't it? Eddie Earns' mouth, but I believe that. And I do believe Team Usyk are quite easy to get deals done with. And I do feel that Tyson Fury and his team, they can mock him and call him a cruiserweight. We've heard it all before. Been there. Done it, mate. I've heard it with Amanda Holyfield. And look what that guy went on and done it and fought some of the best heavyweights and took their best shots. One of the granite chin in history of the sport. Usyk's got a great chin, but he's a better boxer than Amanda Holyfield. And he's fighting at a time when there wasn't as good fighters. And I'm just of my genuine, honest opinion there. The 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 Usyk, you could stick him in back in them days with Lewis. I'm, I'm being honest here, and I still think he gives those guys tough fights. I really do. I think he's that good. And to call him, everyone, even the top guys about, like I heard Teddy Atlas just calling him a cruiserweight the other day, and I think it's so disrespectful to the guy. He is, look what he's got to done against Anthony Joshua. People then go, yeah, but what was Josh? Joshua's rubbish. Joshua's, you know, look how rubbish, how long it took him to get rid of Elanis. Joshua is a good fighter in this era, you know, and 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 I just feel that Tyson Fury's dragged his feet. I mean, he's fighting an MMA fighter, Sean. If that doesn't tell you the full story, then I don't know what does. And that is even to your diehard Tyson Fury fans. Come on, guys. You've got to accept the fact that Tyson should be fighting this fight and not Daniel. And Daniel is. So what does that tell you? 
tells us a lot, doesn't it? It tells us that Fury's cashing in and his opportunity to to be a champion now. Um, exactly. And 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 do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like he's really it's frustrating. It is all about the money for him now, and, that, and that's what's frustrating, really. I mean, we wanted to see that fight, and it's not happening. But let's not stray away from the fact that this is about Usyk, really. Usyk and Dubai fighting yeah. this coming weekend, and I think we've both made it pretty plain and simple that Usyk's going to win this fight. If he didn't, oh my God, what a reaction show we're going to have for just being amazement <laughs> at the fact that... It's an icon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm quit. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, guys. I really don't. But you never know. It's boxing. Like We always say it's boxing because it can happen. Look at Tyson Douglas. Look at Ruiz and Joshua. It does happen from time to time. But I think Usyk is too smart of a fighter. And I think he will pretty much make this a straightforward fight for himself. So that's the main fight of this particular weekend. On that card as well, we've got 17-0 undefeated prospect Dennis Berenchik against Anthony Yigit also on there. And in addition to the card, that's going to have people wagging their tongues and talking about it on social media. The son of Prince Nazim Hamed, Adam Hamed, is also making his debut on this card. And what a way to do it, eh? On a on a card like this, on a heavyweight championship card, Adam Hamed gets his opportunity to showcase his skills and straight away the comparisons will always be there with his father and we'll get to see where this goes and where this journey will end up. Hopefully it won't end up the same way his father's did, but if he can achieve what his father achieved and more, then he's going to be one hell of a fighter, isn't he? He will, and uh, yeah, it's interesting with with these fighters now, it's making me feel really old when you see these sons come through and you're like, crap, man, I remember watching your dad and uh, at his, when he was young and at his peak. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible, really. Um, so, yeah, another name. It, it, literally, the name will always cast eyes upon Hamid. So, it, a bit like Hatton. Uh, you just, with, with Campbell Hatton, you know, you... you, you you got to take it for what it is. It's, it, you literally, you, you're not going to be the same as your father. Eubank was not, is not the same. Ben is not the same as his dad. And I don't believe Hamed will be. Uh, I suppose the other one, the only other one I can actually see right now that's actually doing almost as good as his father is is Tim Zoo. I think Tim Zoo could actually end up surpassing his dad. It's it's really tough for these kids to follow in their dad's footsteps. But the name's there. You know, you, you get the name and unfortunately people are going to, Literally, from his pro debut, they will critic him and they will suggest whether how good he's going to be for an instant. Anyone else who has a debut, no one really cares. So, um, but do you know what? It's not a bad little move sticking him on the on a card in Poland as well. Although eyes will be on it, um, I think um, that's not a bad idea. It's better to have him somewhere like this rather than on sort of over here in Britain. I don't think that's a bad move from from his team. I don't know who's managing him, though, Sean. You might be able to enlighten me there, but. Yeah, good luck to the guy. Uh, it's tough, though, for the kid. Because, he's, you know, just to, to emulate your father's success is just not easy. And it, it, well, in, in fact, it's impossible. It's going to be interesting to see how his journey pans out. And, and, and like you said, you know, when I think about it, and I think about what you just said there about is a good move sticking him on that card. Yes, it'll get eyes on it. But also, the pressure's kind of off him in some ways because it's not like he's been put on a big UK card. I, I mean, it's not like it's not like Campbell Hatton. They stuck him like straight up the card on a matchroom show in like his professional debut. And do you know what? You see, it's not what you want for the fires. You know, you want them to 
nurture their way throughout the career and, and build that profile up and be on the sort of smaller shows. Okay, if you, they get on telly, that's great. But be on the smaller shows, build yourself up, build your profile up, build your fan base up, build your social media following up. Let's see how good you really are. And then if you do look like you're any shade of what your father was, then people are going to tune in. People are going to watch, watch this guy fight. Of course we are, because naturally anybody from, from, from sort of our age bracket are going to want to watch it because we watched his father. So, you know, it is going to bring eyeballs to the sport. For anybody that's relatively new to the sport as a boxing fan or, you know, anyone born past the year 2000 will, will not really, unless they're big boxing fans, know too much about how good of a fighter his dad was as at his peak. So, that gives them the opportunity to really sort of see Adam Hamed for who he is rather than looking at the shades of what his father was. So I think, you know, it is a good move. It is a good move to put him on that because I don't think the pressure's too much going to be on him now with, with that in mind. So he's also on this particular card. And, you know, there are other fights going on. I don't know what them other fights are at the moment. And using the information from BoxRec, you can only get a couple of the fights that are available for that particular card. But, what I wanted to do is bring attention to the card that's going on on the same night in America because there actually is some some decent fighters on that card and some potential future matchups off the back of this particular card. So FAA Jagba, 17 and 1, is in action against an undefeated fighter who's 19 and 0 in Zan Kosobutsky. Jared Anderson, who only fought in July, is back on the card against Andre Rodenko. So he's just making a really good turnaround straight away after that fight with Charles Martin, where he got a lot of credit for his fight with Charles Martin. People expected him to be going on this knockout run. It didn't happen. He got some really good rounds in the bank. You know, he had a little bit of trouble here and there, but he's back in action already on this particular card. And then you've got Bakadir Jalalov also fighting in an eight-rounder on this particular card. And it looks like there's going to be some fights for him in the heavyweight division with the likes of a Jagber and Anderson in the future as well. And also on this card is Nico Ali Walsh. Of course, the grandson of Muhammad Ali fights on this card as well. He's going into his 10th professional fight on this one as well. And I think, do you know what? To be honest with you, talking about the way sort of fighters are being brought through the ranks because of famous people in their family, because we don't get to see the level of promotion over here in the UK about Nico Ali Walsh, unless you really tune into the American circuit, I don't think he's been heavily promoted and overly promoted. I don't think that, you know, they've, they've they've done him a disservice because they're letting him... When he first started, they really promoted him. It's, you know, Muhammad Ali's grandson's fighting and look at the comparisons. But now it feels a little bit more like they're just letting him get through his, his apprenticeship in boxing. And I think maybe in the next four or five fights, when the opposition starts to continue to go up, I think then that's when they're going to really start to throw it down our neck a little bit. But I'm happy that they're not... They're not really making it so worldwide exposure. Like, if you're following the American circuit and you guys that listen to us from America, you might tell us otherwise, actually, they're really plugging the shit out of him. But it doesn't feel that way to me, even scrolling through social media. I don't see loads of stuff on him and, like, oh, all these comparisons and, and anything like that anymore. I did at the start, but it's like they've backed off and, and they've learned a little bit of a lesson and gone, do you know what? We'll let this guy... We'll nurture him. We'll marinate this fighter until he's ready to be put out there on a, on a worldwide stage in the sense that they're going to put him in against a real live test and opponent and an acid test in his career. So I'm kind of glad. But I do tune into his fights. I am watching with interest because of the fact that he is Muhammad Ali's grandson. Yeah, it does. Automatically, it, it draws you to it. It does. Uh, 
you would love to be able to see little splurts of of what what Ali had. Uh, you would. It's, it's inevitable. A bit like you know, just talking about him in a minute ago and and Hatton before that. It's you know these guys. You, you sort of want them to emulate their fathers or grandfathers or in any relation, whoever it is. At some point, you do want to see a, a, a little spurt of that. But yeah, so you're right, though, Sean. I've not really. Um, seen too much of Nico Ali Walsh in terms of his promotion and as you say I do remember a big deal of it at the very beginning but as you say we are over here we don't necessarily um, have some of the adverts and, and whatever else and promotion rules that they will have on television over in America so maybe we are slightly uh, not quite right but you're right I think it's, it's the best way to do it is to just let these guys just work their way through it so they get to the point where they can have a a stern test, an acid test, and then maybe then if they feel that they're confident enough, they can really promote the shit out of it, and then um, yeah, and really get eyes on it. And he's definitely going to get a following. I mean, there's no great. I mean, just to talk to the guy would be nice because of you know to hear some of some of his stories. Uh, I mean, he's he's lucky. Um, let's be honest. But yeah, the card though itself though, it's good to see Gerald Anderson out. Um, and it is just funny, like you know the Charles Martin people give him credit for that, and yet. Joshua sort of wipes him out in a couple of rounds and no one gives him any credit whatsoever. So it's interesting how, how times have changed in terms of Chris Martin, for instance. But yeah, Gerald Anderson, always good to see him in the ring. It's, I mean, 35 and 6, uh, Rudenko, is he going to pose much of a threat? I doubt it very much. I mean, he's been only knocked out once. I remember Rudenko actually uh, from years ago. But um yeah, I, I mean, you would expect Anderson to find the knockout blow this time, but maybe not. Maybe he does keep, keep just clocking up them rounds for a chance and, and to learn a bit more. But definitely one to look at. I mean, F.A. Jagger was one guy I always kept an eye on. He, he obviously took his first defeat. I mean, he's in, approaching his 30s, but he was always a guy I felt that could potentially be in a round of time. Then you got the big, big Uzbek, um, Jalilov, however you would pronounce his name. I do believe that the Bugger's big... Uzbek and Ajagba will eventually get it on, guys. I, I can see that happen. I think that's why they're sharing the card. I did have, did see something where apparently they're going to be fine at some point. So I'm expecting them both to be coming through this. They need to. And I think down the line, you're going to see him in the ring against Jabba, which is going to be quite interesting. Uh, and Anderson as well, still young. Yep. You look at it, Daniel Dubois, what the situation is in. And you look at Anderson, what is a couple of years, three years younger than him. You know, who's going to, when these guys fight for world titles, when all the other lot have retired... Who's going to be ready? I think that's the one thing to keep an eye on with Anderson and Dubois. I think Dubois probably going to be the person that's going to have had the bigger tests and be in a better position when these two eventually square off, which I think they will at some point, maybe in four or five years. Yeah, maybe. We'll get to see what happens. But it's it's an OK weekend of boxing. The main fight, of course, being Usyk versus Dubois. Can Dubois do anything to cause any sort of ripple in the heavyweight division. We don't believe so. We think Usyk's going to win this fight. You think he's potentially going to get stopped late. Daniel Dubois, I think he's going to go 12 rounds personally. And I think Usyk will will make it look like a straightforward night and probably just call Tyson Fury out afterwards for a fight. But I think it's a win-win for Daniel Dubois because he'll take a lot from this. And it is hard because you want to be objective in a fight. But I think it's, it's really difficult in a fight like this. You, you have to say it as you kind of see it, which is... Usyk's got so much experience. He's such a great fighter. And, you know, if we believe he can beat the best of the division, then I think fighting Daniel Dubois at this stage is uh, 
is a is a good get out for him and a good opportunity for Dubois to get some experience in against one of the most talented fighters of this generation. So I am looking forward to it. You know, regardless of what I think about the outcome and how it's going to go down, it'll be good to see Usyk back out again, of course, and getting himself prepared for hopefully a mega fight next year. But to be honest with you guys, it's a pretty short big fight preview for this one because there isn't any other fights to cover for this particular weekend. And we know we will be back, of course, in the next week. And we will be looking at September's schedule and we'll be looking at what fights are available to cover in September. And of course, October as well. We've got some great fights that have already been announced, which we'll be looking forward to covering. We will be back with our career profiles podcast as well we're having a little bit of a mid-season break so to speak where we both go on uh, little bits of our annual leaves so to speak as well and you know we're gonna have a little break from uh from from recording and researching and editing but we will be back in a couple of weeks with the career profiles podcast as it resumes the second half of the season but please if you haven't checked any of the current episodes out go and have a look There's some great episodes out there and if you're new to the podcast and you haven't seen any of our other series-based content please check us out at the darker side of boxing and legendary nights as well Big shout out to the patrons as always for supporting us. Thank you guys for supporting us. We hope you've enjoyed your ad-free version of this episode and many, many others out there. And of course, if you haven't already listened to all the patron-only content, just go back and listen to it, please, because there's some great content on there. If you're a listener and you haven't actually seen what we do on Patreon, go and check us out on patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast. You could get ad-free versions of every episode. You get early access to the series-based content, patron-only content, and an exclusive patron-only series called Boxing Through the Decades, which we're currently running at the moment and is also in its hiatus while we do the Career Profiles podcast, but is going to be back as we approach our next decade coming soon. But that is it for this episode. Thank you so much to listening to the Big Fight Preview. Podcast Network.